Welcome to Generations. This is Kevin Swanson. Steve Vaughn, also with me on this edition. And Steve, you've heard of the furries. <laughs> the furry kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to read word for word from serious articles. I mean, some of the conservative talk show hosts got yeah. in trouble on this because apparently people thought that they were kidding. It turns out they weren't kidding. Yeah. Rumors about schools providing litter boxes for furry kids have been prevalent on social media. About two moms are on a quest to share the truth. Carrie and Joelle call themselves the moms of furries been working together since 2018 to support parents and kids in the furry community. The women met while living in Reno, Nevada, where their kids attended school together. Our kids approached us and said they were interested in being furries. Luckily, we have quirky kids. We have neurodiverse kids, so we were already broken in with them saying things and then educating us. Okay. So what are furries? Furries have a strong interest in animal characters with human traits. The website for science says, most furries create personas, a character used for role-playing online and in person. It adds that a small percentage of the furries feel spiritually connected to animals or less than 100% human. Okay, so we are talking about the redefining of not just gender, but species. Yeah, you're, you're just a speciesist. That's, <laughs> that's what they would say of you. Yeah. But yeah, these you, you can look. I, yeah. I would not recommend this. But uh, you could go online, go to YouTube or someplace like that, and you can actually see videos of some of this going on. And it is just nuts. It is truly insane. Insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's insanity. It's just another form of insanity. God gave them up to a perverse mind. It's Romans 1 all over again, but with the children. And that's the point I want to make on this program. It's happening with the children first. Carrie said that as her 13-year-old explained the furry subculture, she relaxed. Carrie and her teen shared a passion for dancing and furry dance competitions are enormously popular within the community. They road tripped uh, to a furry convention in San Jose, California. Very much accepted, very accepting, welcoming community. It sounds a lot like, okay. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we went to these conventions, watched our children change before our eyes. It was just so beautiful, magical, unreal. So parents just head over heels in love with this kind of thing. A 2023 article in the Irish Mirror reported that at least four schools in Northern Ireland have pupils who openly identify as furries. And then there was a, the child identifying as a cat controversy at Rye College. However, by and large, this animalistic self-expression phenomenon is not widely reported on the media. The adoption of a persona can also be seen as a coping mechanism for children. On and on it goes. Education reformer Catherine Somebody, founder in the McKella School of West London, said she knew of a school pupil who identifies as a gay male hologram. Well, we're way beyond the Napoleon complex. Can we at least say that? <laughs> yeah, we are way far beyond that. We're way out, way, way out there. What, what I'm saying is that there used to be asylums for this kind of thing yeah now it's celebrated it's celebrated in the schools but not anymore well my my wife has said this before I, she says i think we're living in an asylum like our world has become the asylum now the idea here is if a girl can dress up as a boy she can dress up as a cat so that's the idea and, and of course this is the self-identification it's a form of dysphoria now dysphoria 
is unease under affliction or a discontentment or a dissatisfaction under an affliction. While not a mental health diagnosis on its own, dysphoria is a symptom associated with a variety of mental illnesses, some of which include stress, anxiety, depression, and substance use disorders, which is interesting. The psychiatrists are still referring to this as mental illness. Any kind of gender dysphoria or species dysphoria is, is going to be a form of psychiatric illness. And that, that's what they're referring to it as. I, I don't know how they get away with calling it a dysphoria, and yet they still do. Let me also say this. The Japanese are dealing with something called hikiomori. It's where young men hole up in their homes for 10 years and never leave. Uh, they play video games at night and then they sleep through the day. And they've done that for 10 years. They won't leave their homes. And in Japan, here's something else that's very interesting. In order to treat the hikimori uh, syndrome with, uh, that's happening among hundreds of thousands, if not millions of young boys now, uh, the Japanese social structure is utterly just destroyed at this point. Um, lots of birth implosions and the, you know, women have no more children. The men lo- lost reason and faith and <laughs> the whole thing's becoming uh, a spiral into insanity almost quicker than what's happening in the United States. But, uh, but what, what they're doing, what a few of the parents are doing is they're, they're getting rental sisters. So for $900 a week, they, they get these sisters for hire. So the, these sisters pretend to be older sisters for these young men. And they'll spend, you know, an hour or two a week trying to coax them out of their rooms back into society. It's according to these these sisters for hire, uh, it takes six months to two years to get the boys out of their rooms. All right, so this is the sort of insanity that's happening, not just in Japan, but here in the states, Ireland. It's interesting that you know I'm, I'm drawing this from international examples on this edition, Steve. And um, and the question I want to ask in just a moment is, why the kids? Why is this happening to the children? Why are the children the, the guinea pigs in this horrible social experiment? That next on Generations. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum Specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. Welcome back to the Generations broadcast. We 
talk about what's happening with the children. The children are the victims of the insanity that's imposed upon them by the systems. Now, it's not to say that children don't have issues with discontentment, dissatisfaction. And, you know, every child is whining. (laughs) I don't know if there's ever been a child outside of the Lord Jesus. I don't know if there's ever been a child who didn't whine and complain and register a significant amount of discontentment about something or other. And oftentimes it turns out to be their gender, at least for a period of time. So there is the heart of the child. I get that. But, folks, we got a problem on our hands. And this stress, this depression, this psychological illness has descended upon hundreds of millions, if not billions of people around the globe. What's going on? Well, as I see it, they have been the special targets of a disaster. They're the victims of the revolutions. They are the victims of the devastated family. They're the victims of the sexual revolution. They're the victims of technology. They're the victims of social programming in schools and pop culture. They're the guinea pigs. These are the guinea pigs that didn't survive. That's, that's what's happening here. The social revolution, the cultural revolutions, the sexual revolutions. While political revolutions changed human governments in the 19th century, other diverse revolutions also changed all of human life in the 20th century. This is my wrap-up on my world history book, All the World for Jesus, coming out in just a couple of months. Over the previous century, the 19th century, the Industrial Revolution had removed fathers and mothers from the home. So that itself is a revolution. Tied into this came more social and cultural revolutions in the 20th century. Each successive generation then revolted against the previous with music and dress, large high schools, and pop culture combined to create teen culture and a youth fetish. On October 12, 1944, 30,000 frenzied teen girls met their teen idol Frank Sinatra in New York Times Square. Henceforth, culture would be directed by teens and children, usually meeting a little half-hearted disapproval from parents, dresses climbed higher to just below the knee for young women. By the 1920s, short haircuts became the fashion. Over the next century, young women would constantly gravitate towards more unisex clothing. Teen embrace, teens embraced even higher levels of formality and dress and language. The more dishonoring, the better. Music turned more childish, more chaotic, more transient, more expendable, more gimmicky, more sexy and glamorous. Revolutionary culture would always rebel against the cultural standards of the previous generation, characterized mainly by a violation of the Fifth Commandment. The actor James Dean epitomized the teenage rebel in the movie Rebel Without a Cause, released in 1955. Dating without chaperones began in the 1920s, but taboos were still strong and sexual sin was still averted until the sexual revolution of the 1960s. The cultural sexual revolution began in the 1920s, forming in Russia and Germany first. America's Hollywood movies also led the way. Mae West, Cole Porter, pushed the limits on sexual suggestiveness. However, in the providence of God, the Roaring Twenties were briefly interrupted by the Great Depression and then World War II. Afterwards, though, the sexual revolution exploded on the scene, mostly led by the youth, inspired by the rock and roll revolution, the Beatles, Hollywood movies and television. The effect of the revolution was an almost total decimation of marriage and family in the Western world. By a turn of the 21st century, only certain Asian countries survived the devastation brought about by the Western revolutions. But then you have the technology revolution. Revolutionary advances in technology brought rapid changes to every part of life on planet Earth, adding to the destabilization and the disorientation of human society. Within a single century, get this, only a single century, humans added electricity, electrical devices, telephones, automobiles, airplanes, 
computers, advanced automation, robots, rockets, nuclear weaponry, the internet, and artificial intelligence to the world. Before the technology revolution, human transportation still employed horse and buggy. Everything in the world would change over one century. Because modern man had carefully rooted out any fear of God from every major institution, he would use technology for ill purposes. A perpetually immature society was also ill-equipped to use these advanced forms of technology. Four-year-olds shouldn't play with chainsaws, nor should they attempt to use the high technology of the 21st century. Much of the media forms and communication forms were counterproductive to the maintenance of human relationships in human society. Social media, email, texting, and such displaced face-to-face interactions. Man isolated himself, especially by the mass access to sexually explicit imagery. Relationships were systematically purged from human society to include the most intimate relations of marital sexuality. Then you have what? The education revolution. So we had technology revolution, social revolution, and now the education revolution. While the university had purged almost every vestige of the fear of God and the scriptures as the basis for truth by 1900, much of the education revolution was still to be wrapped up in the first decades of the 20th century. First, humanist sociology and education departments were formed in the universities by men like G. Stanley Hall and John Dewey. These were explicitly man-centered, anti-Christian, and false fronts for real schooling and healthy society. First and foremost, the fear of God and prayer to God was eliminated in the school curriculum and eventually to be banned by the U.S. Supreme Court in 1964. Education was turned over to the control of the state in almost every country in the world, and the schools became the laboratory for social experiments at the hands of state-directed social programmers, and children were the guinea pigs in this grand experiment. And that's the point I wanted to get to, was as it turned out, children were the guinea pigs in the grand experiment coming out of the social revolution, the education revolution, the technology revolution. and so. Here we have the collateral damage, Steve. This is it. We, I think we've come to the point at which children are wrapped up into these revolutions and they are chewed up and spit out. And this is what it looks like. Yeah. And I mean, any you know, evil leader, you know, I, I'm, it, it typically is if we can capture the children, if you give me the kids, we can control the next generation. And I think that might be part of it as well. And that's why it's such an experiment with the children is that if we can capture them, then we can have the heart of that generation as they grow up. And then they will train their kids uh, to do the same thing. Uh, and that's how you destroy a country is you capture the hearts of the kids. This is the era of humanism. We, we finally arrived at the point at which man had control of everything. He had jettisoned all fear of God, finally, at the turn of the 20th century. And now he could build his Babel and he could restructure all of life on planet Earth according to his own purposes and plans. And this is how I wrap up this point in my world history curriculum. Listen, the 20th century was the crowning achievement of humanism. This was the century representing the final triumph of secular humanism for purposes of educating, governing nations, and organizing human society. The Christian faith and all other world religions were shoved aside and replaced by John Stuart Mill's liberalism, secular humanism, socialism, Marxism, anarchy, and revolutionary ideas. It was an experiment in godlessness and man-centeredness. Modern man was finally taking the place of God but only in his own mind. Here was the grand opportunity for John Dewey's modern man to realize and achieve the wonderful dreams of utopia on earth. How quickly the utopian dream of humanism was crushed. 
The dream turned into a nightmare and a devastating disappointment, trumping all disappointments ever experienced in the history of mankind. The 20th century introduced world wars, producing 10 times the devastation of the Napoleonic Wars in the 19th century and 100 times the devastation of the American Civil War. This was the hand of God's judgment, especially exercised upon the Western world. The only thing to compare it with in world history is the devastation divine judgment come upon the Chinese with its various revolutions and civil wars and the devastation brought upon nations by the Khans in the 1100s through the 1400s. And this devastation came about after World War II. Well, and now I think we're in round two of whatever the 20th century was all about because, Steve, from my take, the Western world has not repented at this point. <laughs> now, here's, here's, here's where I want to leave it. All right, we only have a minute or two left. and I, I want to leave it right here. Steve, there are refugees that are climbing out of the insane asylum and they're finding refuge. I know this because we just interviewed um, Kevin Lundberg, who's the producer of artclubmovie.com. And I recommend a watch on that. Powerful, super powerful. Well, the after story to the documentary, basically the the daughter of this couple gets sucked into the matrix and almost destroyed, but by God's grace salvaged. Okay. And the after story is even better. So my point is this, there is such a thing as salvaging the refugees. There's a restoration, there's redemption that can come by Jesus. And so here's the deal. Sometimes we talk about what's going on in the world. Okay. But we need a little redemption here. We need some, you know, we need to see that there is some restoration and some salvaging, some rescue operations going on. And so what I want to find is people who've crawled out of the matrix, they're homeschooling, they've gone back to church and they're building a family economy and they're re-engaging relationship in the 21st century. And they could say, Hey, God saved our family. Can we get some redemption stories going on here? Email me at host at generations.org. If that applies to you or somebody, you know, I just want to hear some, redemption here see i think you probably feel the same way yes yeah it's it's always good to hear those uh the stories of redemption it gives you hope and, and you know god can yeah. renew anybody's mind and that's that's really yeah. what it's going to take yeah so email me at hostedgenerations.org let's get some redemption stories going you may not want to interview but if if you've got something that we can read uh if you know somebody who's been salvaged that there's got to be some redemption there's got to be some redemption, some salvation, some restoration going on in a society that is this far gone. And I know that the mercy of God is there and extended to families all over this country and all over the world. It could be Japan. It could be Ireland. It could be the United States of America. It doesn't matter. I want to hear the redemption stories of what God has done through Jesus Christ, because I know we can restore relationship. We can restore a sense of our identity. We can restore our sexual wellness, et cetera, et cetera, in a world that's gone nuts. We've done a few of these stories along the way, but I want more of them, especially those families who have been salvaged from the matrix, salvaged out of this mess that we call the postmodern world. Email me at host at generations.org if you got that story. That's host at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.